This trip is brought to you by our good friends at CoinKite. CoinKite's here. They build the best Bitcoin hardware in the space. I'm rubbing my block clock right now. Have you ever rubbed your block clock, Logan? No, I'm not weird. Yeah, it doesn't feel great. It's not a rubbing product. It's a looking product. You look at it. It gives you great stats on the Bitcoin network. You set it up. It's a beautiful, aesthetically ple- pleasing piece of hardware. It keeps you updated on what's going on in Bitcoin. That's just one thing. That's just like the fun things that CoinKite makes. They're very fun. They're very cool. They also make the best security hardware in the Bitcoin space. Their wallets, the MK4 and the Q1, both come with two secure elements. Uh, both are NFC enabled. Both allow you to create private cu- public key pairs offline in an air gap fashion so your private keys never touch the internet you can add entropy to your private key with dice rolls as well with both products a bit different mk4 looks like a little calculator the q1 is a full keyboard device with a bigger screen uh, qr scanning capabilities uh, and it has a battery pack as well again the most secure hardware on the market allows you to create your private public keys in an air gap fashion it's the best way to do it. Adding entropy to it as well. Eliminate single points of failure. Cold card helps you do that with their hardware by keeping your stuff offline. They also have the SATS card, the tap signer, the SATS chip, a bunch of things. Go check it out at coinkite.com. Try RHR. Just try it. Tell me what happens. Nobody's told us, Logan. Have you tried it? Uh, I have not. Have you tried it? I have not. Maybe it's on me. Maybe I should go try it. This trip was also brought to you by our good friends at Unchained. We talk about them in this episode. They're doing it the right way. They're a financial institution of the future, building their whole company off of Bitcoin's native multi-sig properties. They have their Vault product, which is a two or three multi-sig, in which you hold two keys. Unchained holds one. Since you have those two keys, you control your Bitcoin. You can move it whenever you see fit. If you're ever in a pinch and need Unchained to be the second in the two or three multi-seat quorum, the second signature, they're there for you. Uh, they have the trading desk where if you buy Bitcoin through their trading desk, it goes straight to that vault that you set up. So there's no pulling out keys, wallets, addresses. You buy Bitcoin, it goes straight to your multi-seat cold storage vault. Single points of failure are eliminated in that model. Unchained never holds the Bitcoin. You don't buy it. On Unchained, it sits on exchange. No, you buy it, goes straight to your multi-sig cold storage. Whether you're an individual, high net worth individual, a family office, an institution, a sovereign wealth fund looking to buy Bitcoin, hit up Unchained's trading desk. Go to unchained.com slash trading to check it out and enjoy this rip of Rabbit Hole Recap. You've had a dynamic where money's become freer than free. If you talk about a Fed just gone nuts, all, all the central banks going nuts. So it's all acting like safe haven. I believe that in a world where central bankers are tripping over themselves to devalue their currency, Bitcoin wins. In the world of fiat currencies, Bitcoin is the victor. I mean, that's part of the bull case for Bitcoin. If you're not paying attention, you probably should be. Hey, Mom. Nothing much. We just went live on Rabbit Hole Recap. Do you want to say anything to the freaks? Stop, freaks. (laughs) All right. I'll see you later. 
Love you too. Suffering from from my mom. It's a family tradition. (laughs) That was not planned. That was not planned, right, Marty? No, Logan said he was hitting the button, and I answered. Yeah, my mother's call. You might think it was staged, but it wasn't. No. Um, Marty, to start off, uh, to start off the episode today, I thought it'd be great if you could uh, read our newest job opening at uh, OpenSats. The description at, at OpenSats. Okay. Yeah, we're hiring at OpenSats. If you need a job, is this the first thing on the list? Yes. This is on Bitcoiner Jobs, uh, head of fiat operations at OpenSats. OpenSats is looking for a Bitcoiner to head the initiative's fiat operations, a truly paradoxical role. Are you a Bitcoiner who, for some strange reason, still loves the fiat world? Do you have a burning desire to participate in long email threads with bankers, talk for hours with lawyers, sign stuff with ink on paper, and put fiat-denominated numbers into all kinds of spreadsheets? Oh boy, do we have a job for you. As OpenSats is a 501c3 public charity, we still have to interface with the legacy world from time to time. We're looking for someone that loves and understands what we we do and can take care of the fiat side of things. That means interfacing with lawyers and accountants, taking care of all kinds of paperwork, clicking around in DocuSign, and maybe even cashing in some mail-in checks. In short, we're looking for a highly motivated U.S.-based Bitcoiner that has passion for freedom technology but enjoys paperwork and bureaucracy nonetheless. Duties and responsibilities. Build out OpenSats ops with GG and team of volunteers. Work closely with the board to drive various OpenSats initiatives. Act on behalf of OpenSats legally and in external communications. Prepare internal and external external reports, financial and otherwise, take care of all the fiat things to prevent GG from finally and irreversibly losing his goddamn mind. Requirements. You gotta have five plus years of relevant experience. You got to have excellent verbal and written communication skills. Experience in a fully remote and online work environment. Strong alignment with our mission. That's OpenSat's mission. Uh, you have to be based in the U.S. And bonus points, if you have experience in charity and or nonprofit in the charity or nonprofit world, you have an accounting degree and know the US GAAP. Uh, you love spreadsheets. As a fiat side, as the fiat side of OpenSats is small and hopefully not growing too much, this is a part time role. We prioritize talent, passion, experience over educational background. OpenSats is fully remote, paying competitive compensation based on market and location. We usually pay in Bitcoin, but are willing to make an exception and pay you in fiat. <laughs> Given that you'll be the head of fiat ops. Send a one-page cover letter and your CV to jobs at opensats.org if all of the above sounds interesting. Sounds like OpenSats <laughs> is looking for a suit racist. So if you're one not, of the suit racists out not, there. Not, not looking for a suit racist. We're just looking for a suit. Um, <laughs> so join us. We would love to have you. Uh, Gigi could use the help. Uh, I just – Gigi wrote that whole job listing. It's fucking great job listing. Great job, Liz. Fun to read. My first time reading it, first time seeing if I stumbled a little bit. Thank you for your service, Marty. I knew you'd read it best. But yeah. anyway, freaks, join us at OpenSats. We could use the help. It's a good initiative. Links in the show notes. Yeah. Headline. Two months from now, OpenSats hires controversial suit racist who's <laughs> undermining the OpenSats initiative from within. Uh... Everyone's a little bit too racist. 
you know, it isn't racist. You know, it doesn't care what race, sex, creed, nationality you are. Is hurricanes. We got a hurricane off the coast <laughs> here in New Jersey. And, yeah, uh, Bitcoin. <laughs> and uh, so if there's some wind in the mic, please forgive me. The kids are still inside. Um, no, you sound good. You all sound. right, good. Ah, big week. A little pump, a little dump. Meeting here later, Thursday afternoon, three fifteen on the East Coast. We pumped to levels not seen since last week. It was it was really exhilarating. <sighs> the reverse Bart. We got the reverse Bart. We're like a reverse half Bart. Now we're back. Uh, according to Clark's dashboard, we're at twenty six thousand one hundred and sixty five cuck bucks. One cuck bucks going to get you. Th- 3,821 sats. We're at a $509.6 billion market cap. We're at block height, 805,625. We had a, we had a difficulty adjustment right before last week's show. That was an upward 6.2 adjustment, 2.6.2% adjustment. There will be another difficulty adjustment in 775 blocks that is estimated to be on September 6, 2023, so uh, Thursday of next week. And as of right now, it's looking like a negative 5.1% adjustment. Blocks have been coming in at 10 minutes and 32 seconds on average. There are currently 174,210 transactions in Clark's mempool and 8,640.05 Bitcoin in unspent capacity in Samurai's Whirlpool. That is an unspent value of 226.7 million cuck bucks. That's the state of the network. Maybe an interesting place to start is the mining landscape. So, Logan, if we pull up um, brains, insight.brains.com, put the link in Slack, and you go to hash value and hash price under hash rate and mining economic charts, and you hover all the way to the right. Hash price is currently sitting at 6.1 cents per terahash per day, um, which is historic lows. We're back to lows not seen since December of last year, which is a combination of the upwards difficulty adjustment that we had last week and the 10% price drop. That, that we've seen since a couple weeks ago. Uh, it's hard out there for a miner. Well, always has been. It's very hard. Hug a miner if you see one, freaks. They're going through a lot. Is there an end to the pain in sight, Marty? Do you have good news? No, I can't predict the future. Are so, drive, yeah. drive chains going to help the situation? I don't think so, particularly. What um, are your opinions on drive chains? It's tiresome. I don't... <laughs> I'm not a fan. I don't think it's a necessary soft work at this given point in time. I don't... Um, I mean, I wrote a bent about Frost last night. We can talk about Frost more specifically, but the underlying message was, and this is something that I've been talking with some people behind the scenes, particularly Rob Hamilton, who I'm not seeing in the uh, the comments here, but I think he's over in Riga. Is that hey, shout out to everyone in Riga. Sorry we're not yeah. there. Yeah, shout out to the Baltic Honey Badger. Have a oh, wedding this week. One of the best events of the year. 
Great city too. One of the best cities in the world. It really is. Extremely um, cheap. Everyone speaks English. Super safe. Walkable city. Good food. Get some balsams. Tie up some balsams, which is the uh, the local liqueur there. It's uh, not a very good tasting shop, but when you're in Riga, you have to you have to strap on some balsams. Um. Yeah, the point of the newsletter was to highlight the cool thing that Nick Farrow uh, sent to the Bitcoin dev mailing list earlier this week, which is private collaborative custody with Frost. You can dig into the details of Frost, but the underlying message in the newsletter was like, hey, after SegWit and Taproot, those two soft forks, like we still haven't even fully explored the design landscape that those upgrades have enabled. Like it doesn't really make logical sense to me at this given point in time to push forward with another soft fork, whether it be drive change, op CTV, even like op vault, APO, I'm more partial towards. I think that's very specific to helping the lightning network scale, which I think everybody understands needs to, needs to happen. Um, so like in the, in the list of soft forks that are out there that people are talking about, I think APOs high on my list and something like CTV, but CTV, I think so, yeah. Because again, like we haven't just explored. What about just like plain old Op Vault? I mean, that's up there too. But if you're going to get Op Vault or CTV, more likely. But why why Op Vault if you're going to do CTV? Like, why do both if CTV can get you? No, it's going to you do Op Vault because it's simpler than CTV. Yeah, simpler to change, more likely to go through. I mean. Yeah, the Lightning people want APO. Any prev out. Yeah. But I just I yeah, I don't know. Um I I look. I was hoping not to have this conversation. Uh, I was just hoping, like I was hoping Bitcoin to, yeah, I brought it up because I felt like we were compelled to finally have the conversation. I've been delaying it. Um but like Bitcoin Twitter won't shut up about it. Fortunately, I'm mostly on Noster nowadays and Noster were just fighting over clients and shit instead of Bitcoin things. Um, so the drive chains argument hasn't really come to Noster. But um, the number one thing for everyone to realize is Bitcoin is extremely hard to change by default. Um, this is a feature, not a bug. Uh any change can be malicious. Any change can break the system and you want there to be friction there. You, you want it to move slow and conservative. We're talking about the base of, of a global financial network um, and it should move very slow and conservatively and, and, and be simple and robust. That is the thesis, right? Um, and the reality, it's the reality of what we've seen so far in the past decade plus of Bitcoin. Um, so that means, like, regardless of what you think of big, uh, think of drive chains or any of these up, uh, any of these changes. I'm not going to use the term upgrades because one man's upgrade is another man's not. But these proposed soft forks, um, you should they they almost default to not. You should assume under default circumstances that it's just not going to happen. They're not going to get activated. They need like this critical mass of, of support and it's hard to objectively measure that until after the fact whether or not it it, it was successful or not. Um, so keep that in mind. Now with drive chains, the basic premise, my 
basic understanding of it and I don't pretend to be an expert in drive chains. And part of the reason why I don't, you know, uh, advocate for drive chains is because I don't want to have to be an expert in drive chains. But um, my basic understanding of drive chains is that you have um, these, these federated chains um, that the federation, instead of it being like the liquid federation or something like Fediment, where there's a bunch of different federations by different people running servers, the miners are the federation, um, specifically the mining pools are the federation. And those mining pools are custody, are doing multi-sig custody. You can kind of think of it similar to Fediment in that way um, or liquid where they're doing multi-sig custody of whatever chains they're supporting. Um, advocates of it say that it opens up all this new functionality because you can do all these different crazy things on those, on those chains. Um, people that, uh, uh, what is the opposite of advocates? Like uh, people that are against the idea would say that it adds a bunch of complexity and a bunch of uh, incentive confusion and, and misalignment. I would also add, which I think people don't really talk about that much, is miners are already one of our more vulnerable uh, regulatory targets in the space. And regardless of the technical incentives, all that stuff that changes, which is, it it adds a lot of complexity to the whole system. Detractors. Thank you, John Delaney, in the comments. Advocates and detractors. Um the, the idea of making them custodians as well of funds and, and keep in mind, mining pools are already custodians momentarily, you know, before people take out the rewards. And that's always been a concern from a regulatory point of view in my book, because you don't want to see mining pools be KYC'd, even though the two largest mining pools voluntarily KYC'd themselves and custodians tend to get KYC'd. But in that situation, it's a lesser amount, uh, it's usually people, miners, individual miners will set auto withdrawals with their pools. Um, it's it's already a problem that that is being mitigated in different ways, but is already a problem. Adding them as a custodian for significant amount of value, if this thing, if if any kind of drive chains are successful, and if they're not successful, why are we even having this conversation? Um, adds a significant risk to them from a regulatory point of view. It adds rug pull risk from a they can they can steal money in certain situations. Um, it's not that that's not great. And and so then the advocates will say um, the argument is, oh, well, the miners can opt into it like they have a choice. Well, if 70 percent of the network, you just heard Marty earlier saying how miners are being squeezed. Well, guess what? That's always going to happen <laughs> forever. Um, it is, a, you know, a race to the race to the bottom everyone's trying it's 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 a massive free market targeting efficiency um if like 80 percent of the network is also profiting off of drive chain stuff like you have no choice but to participate so it basically forces any profit seeking miner to participate in this custodianship um it puts them at a at a unlevel playing field if they don't want to participate in the custodianship and they basically have no choice. They basically are pushed along if they want to, to compete with other miners. So my two concerns, well, my three issues with it is first of all, I just don't think it'll ever have the kind of momentum to pass. This reminds me of 
the Ethereum launch in the first place. Then it reminds me of Bcash and Segwit2x. And then now this, it's like, it's all different flavors of like the same idea, which is, you know, let's, you know, make Bitcoin more complex um, and less robust at the sake of censorship resistance. And that's just not a trade-off that most Bitcoin stakeholders or, or myself are willing to make. Um, so I just don't think it's going to happen. The second thing is it's, it's very complex and it adds a lot of incentive concerns, right? It takes away the simplicity of the incentive model, the loose game theory of Bitcoin and miners and, and nodes. And then the third thing is it adds, it, 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 it almost forces the majority of miners to be custodians. And I just don't want to see that. Yeah. And I think, the fifth point to add there, like I was getting at and with yesterday's newsletter is we're still exploring the boundaries of what's possible from a design landscape at the protocol level after SegWit and Taproot. I mean, it wasn't a year ago that Barack like discovered that you could use Taproot in a particular way to bork some dependent systems, whether it be the Lightning Network or some explorers, I believe like less than a year ago. And so like we, we don't even know the unknown unknowns that exist with what's already been added to the protocol. And beyond that, we don't even know exactly what can be enabled with the tools that we have at our fingertips right now. And so that's where I stand and my position is number one, I, I agree with Matt. I think the economic incentive changes that would come with something like drive chains, particularly at the mining layer are a bit, too much for me to stomach. I don't think it's necessary. A lot of the use cases for drive chains revolve around like privacy and faster transactions. And again, the newsletter I wrote last night was about Frost and how it can enable better privacy at the protocol layer by enabling taproot addresses to have multi-sig quorums spend change, from a single right? key. Yeah. Which, what was that? But no, we don't need a soft fork or anything. No. No, yeah. it's already it's already implemented. Yeah, that's the key. Yeah, and so like I don't think we've even explored the design landscape of what we have at our fingertips. I think there's a lot of privacy improvements that could be gained with the tools that we have at our fingertips. I think there's a lot of scaling improvements that can be gained um, with what we have at our fingertips. And I think just from a pragmatic position thinking on this like we should explore that first and then if we reach the edges and discover that we want more functionality then all right let's have the discussion about these soft forks um, I, mean, I have a great proposal um i they should just they should just run with it on on bcash and see how it goes yeah or lightning i mean i had or not lightning litecoin i had rob hamilton on and i mean that's what happened with segwit and got Added to Litecoin first, and people tested it, and then that was um, used as an example of like, "Hey, this works." I mean, I think Litecoin's at this point more similar to Bitcoin than Bcash, with all the hard forks they've done since yeah, 2017. The thing is, is like, I see Andy A in the Noster comments at rhr.tv/stream. Um, he's saying, "Why don't they just fork it and run it?" And every time you say that. Uh, they get very offended. And the reason they get offended is because they already did it and it was a complete failure with Bcash. Um, and it's mostly the same people. So like they already have their chain. They should just go go have fun with it over there. Yeah. I don't think it's going to happen. I think there's um, 
I think the fervor around drive chains is. Um, what do you think about the idea that they're going to miners, mining pools behind the scenes and trying to convince them to do a miner activated soft fork? I don't think they're going to find much luck there. Um, yeah, I just don't see that happening. Maybe, I mean, F2 pool has been known to fuck around. They fucked around with the um, activation signaling around SegWit um, quite a bit. I wouldn't be surprised if they just want to fuck around again and signal like they're going to do it. But at the end of the day, I mean, that's what we learned. The SegWit is they had 90% of hash rate signaling that they were going to go for SegWit 2X, and they didn't at the end of the day because it came clear that the full node operators, most importantly, like the economically important full node operators were not going to go along. So they bent the knee at the end of the day. Maybe that's how the drive chain saga plays out. Is you have this game of chicken and the miners are trying to signal like they're going to do something and then full nodes just keep them in check. Um, it's also tiresome though. I think there's a lot more exciting things to talk about and to do with the technology we have at our fingertips right now. Like there's still a lot to do with Miniscript. All this Frost and Musig 2 stuff is really exciting. I mean, Tabscript hasn't been explored in depth. Um, like Tappered adoption isn't anywhere near where it should be. Like SegWit adoption isn't anywhere near where it should be. Like I think considering the importance of Bitcoin and the potential it provides us for the future. Uh, I think these discussions are uh, are a bit too early considering everything we have yet to build. And I I guess, yeah, I guess we can dive in. I mean, Logan, if you pull up the article again, I mean, it's a cool example. So Frost, um, for you freaks who are unaware, um, Scroll down a little bit. I forget exactly what it stands for. It stands for um, uh, flexible round optimized Schnorr threshold signatures. Um, and so <laughs> to be clear, Frost is an attempt to bring MPC or to build a new MPC architecture for Bitcoin cold storage. And so what Frost enables you to do is to create off-chain uh, multi-sig quorums let's just run with a three of five example to threshold signature. So you need three of five key shares off chain to sign uh, that then enables uh, a single tap root key to sign on chain. And so when you move Bitcoin, you do the multi-seed coordination off chain uh, using the key shares. Once that threshold is, uh, is met three of five in the example I'm giving once three, Signers in the quorum sign that enables the taproot um, signature to be signed on chain. And then on chain, it looks like a, a single SIG address. And so, again, it provides you a bit of privacy uh, in the sense that nobody really knows your key setup when you're spending on chain with, with this frost mechanism. Um, and so, MPC, for anybody who's unaware, is multi party computation. Most uh, notably leveraged by companies like Fireblocks to secure people's Bitcoins and shitcoins. I think the key distinction here 
is that Frost is using Schnorr signatures instead of ECDSA. And from my understanding, after a conversation with Rob Hamilton on TFTC last week, is that Schnorr signatures due to the linearity of um, the way those are produced is a bit more secure than creating um, an MPC setup on ECDSA. Uh, the big fallback beyond that is ensuring that you're creating random knots generated nonce generation that you're randomly generating nonces so you don't decay the security of the private keys and the multi-sig quorum um and actually it, there's a link in there so that logan click on the bitco recently came up with a unique solution um so in august 16th issue of bitcoin optech number 264 uh, if you scroll down bitco did a field report in which they discovered a unique way. It's not with Frost, it's with Musig too, but a unique way to ensure random nonce generation, which is to uh, put the nonce data in the PSBT and then have your wallet software scan it to ensure that you're not reusing nonces, which if you did would decay the security of that that private key share off-chain. Um, so yeah, I think this is an example of something that's cool. MPC has been a bit taboo within Bitcoin circles because we've seen over the last couple of years that um, companies like Fireblocks, their MPC implementations have proven to be somewhat insecure. But it does seem like that there are ways, particularly with uh, Schnorr signatures and putting the nonce data in a PSBT and checking that, that you can mitigate the risk that companies like Fireblocks have run into. Um, and I, I think on top of that, if you have... MPC that's dedicated to Bitcoin and Bitcoin only, which Fireblocks isn't. It's dedicated to securing Bitcoin in every shitcoin that they deal with. Um, you could really narrow down the the attack vectors. Um, but yeah, I think this is an example of something that is really cool and something that hasn't been ex- explored in depth could bring privacy and scaling uh, benefits to the network. And we should explore stuff like this before talking about drive chains. Logan, did we measure how long that rant was? <laughs> I, I was it, good rant? it was good. It was good. Not good. Thank you. Um, I, I, I just, uh, I'm sorry, Marty. I'm sorry, freaks. I'm a little bit exhausted over here, but um, I think that was an exhaustive rant. Not like it makes me tired, but like you covered a lot there. I've been thinking about it a lot, so I was going to get it off the chest. I do think, um, and it might not happen because I say it out loud, but I'm going to say it out loud anyway because that's my prerogative. Um, there, you know, as much as we hate politics, there's a lot of politics involved. Uh, in Bitcoin governance because it's just the way humans work. Um, Different people advocating and arguing against um, different changes and proposals for Bitcoin. And I do wonder if what we'll see happen here is the drive chain proponents are like on the extreme change side. And as a result, we get some of these smaller changes push through um, because people want to see change, but they don't want to see the extreme change. Um, I like, I feel like this whole, all this drive chain uh, 
flaming back and forth, it makes like a CTV more likely or an op fault more likely um, as a result. Yeah, and alternatively, like another thing this could lead to is like the ossification camp really beating the drum. Like, no, nothing more, like nothing at all. It's not worth it. That's the default. And I'm, I'm, you know, I don't know if that's necessarily the best path or whatnot, but we're, I, I mean, I think it's better than rapid change, obviously, to me. Like, that is a, a no-brainer. Um, but I feel like we're close to that point. I mean, I've told you, Marty, like, I try not to pay attention to things that, first of all, I don't love the idea that, like, my opinion really shouldn't matter more than most Bitcoiners' opinions. Um, so I don't love the idea of like, oh, like, what does Odell think of this, um, in general with these controversial things. Um, but also it's like a time saving mechanism. It's like, if you just default to what the reality is, which is that most changes will not happen, then you focus on what we can build with the tools that we have, with the protocol we have without any kind of changes. Like a lot of this comes like... There was a bunch of Bcasher VC money that paid uh, Layer 2 Labs, uh, Paul Sports's company that's like behind drive chains. And like the whole business model of that company and that investment is like based off of a change on Bitcoin. Now, um, like me and Marty and I are like, we're in the VC world now as well, uh, somehow. Um, We're VCs now. And I would never invest in something that required a change to Bitcoin to even exist. Like that's a ridiculous premise. Like the, 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 that's what reminds me of like the Bcasher thing all over again and like Sega2x and everything. It's like there was a bunch of businesses that they were like, if we don't change Bitcoin, our business model doesn't work. It's like if, if, you, if your business model requires a change to Bitcoin, you're fucking idiots. Like that's, don't do that. That makes no sense. That's a bad idea. And I feel the same way with my time. It's like, I'm not going to invest time in tracking all the different proposals to change Bitcoin because it's just, there's not enough time in the day. You got to like ration your time and pay more attention if it looks like something comes close to happening. Like there's a lot of time before that happens. Yeah. And then beyond that, like I think me personally, I won't speak for you, but um, leading up to Taproot activation, like we were big cheerleaders. And I do think Taproot is positive uh, EV for Bitcoin overall. But um, remember, I lost my bet thinking Taproot was going to take longer to activate, though. I was defaulted to expecting Taproot not to activate so easily. Yeah, but like the lesson I took from that, like from the media, from the show, from TFTC, was like actually being able to audit the code and understand the interactions any new change would have with what's already in the protocol is literally above my pay grade. Like I don't understand the cryptography or the the code well enough to actually be able to successfully. Not a cryptographer. No, no. Um. No, and then like I, I could have never foreseen something like Barack making a nine hundred ninety eight out of nine hundred ninety nine multisig breaking lightning implementations. I couldn't see ordinals being enabled by the combination of Segwit and Taproot, and so I think that enabled ordinals. Still, I'm pretty sure you could do it without it, but 
but I think with Taproot, you it makes it more efficient. Yeah, yeah, makes it economically viable. That's what, that's what degeneracy needs: efficiency. Yeah. Um, so yeah, from my perspective, it's all about my pay grade to know. Um, and yeah, I probably lean. Try best, freaks, you just try your best. They're coming for me. They're coming for me. Right, right above me. Just gonna get beautiful. Um, you won't even hear it. I. Uh, we just try our best, freaks. We try our best every week. Yeah. Do you think there's gonna be a? We try and prove our understanding every week. Yeah. Try our best to bring that understanding to you guys. Well, uh, since the uh, the F sixteen flew over me, a lot of talk about World War Three. Are you? You want to put? <laughs> no, we're not gonna put odds on World War Three. But what are your odds? I don't know. What is World War Three? What is the objective measurement? I'm such a. I guess we we engage physically with Russia and others. What does that mean? Uh, the war in Ukraine spreads. NATO gets involved. I would consider that World War Three. John Delaney is like nuke falling. I guess he didn't listen to last week. Go check out last week's party rep. It was a good one. I, I read your lips, but we it, it cut out what you said. But <laughs> I know what you said. Um. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I don't want to jinx it, but I don't think I don't think World War Three is going to happen um, anytime soon. <laughs> yes. Fuck, man! It's like the Roger Veer video, but instead of Mount yeah, Cox. That's one thing I wear. I think I think Americans particularly do need to get out front of this narrative. It's becoming blatantly clear that the economy <laughs> is deteriorating in real time. Uh, that the war in Ukraine is not as successful as it was marketed to U.S. citizens who have sent hundreds of billions of dollars. That's always the case. Yeah, but, I mean, the economy is going to get a shit. Marty. We're in an election year. Like, so, like, yeah, I think the probability is above 10%, I would say, which is shameful. Like, shameful that the kleptocratic class, the gerontocracy, if you will, has pushed us to this point. These people are disgusting. Uh Freedom Tech fixes this. It does. That's why we're here. What Freedom Tech do we have on the list? All right, we'll get back to like Bitcoin's on the list. Grayscale won its appeal against the SEC overturning its decision on the Bitcoin ETF. This is the big news of the week. Bitcoin pumped to close to 28,000 before uh, falling back down to earth. Uh, Currently at like 26,250. But an appeals court judge out of D.C. came out and determined that the SEC's reasoning for denying the Grayscale ETF um, filing was capricious and unfounded. Capricious? Capricious. Capricious. Nobody knows. Um, To avoid arbitrariness and caprice, uh, caprice, Administrative education must be considered 
consistent and predictable following the base principle that similar cases should be treated similarly. So essentially this judge said like the SEC is treating grayscale particularly, and you can, um, you can extend that out to everybody else who's filed for it in ETF. They've been using arbitrary uh, sort of guidelines to deny these ETF filings. And so the judge is saying, Hey, like it doesn't make any sense. There are similar ETFs in other markets that you've approved. And for some reason or another, you are arbitrarily picking on, on Bitcoin ETFs. So um, now, What's going to happen? That's the big question. Uh, this in no way means that Grayscale's ETF is automatically going to get approved. Uh, it goes back to the SEC, at which point the SEC can bend the knee and say, all right, you got us. We were being arbitrary and capricious. It's approved. Uh, they could also come back and say, uh, hey, here's another reason why we're denying your, your filing. Um, just make something else up outside of what they've already put forth up to this point in time. So it seems bullish. I think this will likely lead to an ETF getting approved at some point, maybe this year, but definitely next year. Um, is that my well, Roger? You lost a, you missed a key point, Marty, which is um, Barry Silver still owes billions of dollars to people. It's been almost a year now. Um, I think it's 1 billion. I think it's 1 billion. To Gemini users, um, that's the number we know. We know Gemini users is a little under a billion dollars, but there's more than there's a big. It's a bigger hole than that. I just don't know what the exact number. That's why it's over a billion. Um, but uh, like DCG as a whole, right? Like Genesis owes a bunch of money to Gemini users. DCG owes money to Genesis. It's like a whole fucking. Commingled scheme. Um, yeah, I. Uh, the first thing is, as Marty said, so like right now, GBTC on this news and whatnot is trading at the one of the lowest discounts it's traded at a while. Um, it was almost down to fifty percent, maybe even more than that at one point. Now it's like twenty percent down, fifteen percent down um, from the regular price of Bitcoin. Um, because people are expecting it to be converted into an ETF. Um, SEC can still appeal, uh, which could delay it. And regardless, GBTC needs to refile. So the take that I've seemed to expect here is that this pretty much guarantees that BlackRock and Fidelity get approved. BlackRock probably gets approved as the first ETF, which goes along with our thinking this whole time because... We live in a very corrupt world and, and BlackRock has a shit ton of fucking money. Um, they're the largest fund manager in the world. It's unlikely that they're applying for an ETF when they don't expect to get it. Um, so after all this, I mean, Barry has no one to blame but himself because he was a complete degen last cycle. And uh, most like you can connect most of the blowups to him. He's like this central... You can just imagine me as as Charlie from Always Sunny with all the charts behind me. Just Barry Silbert caused all this. Um, but uh, yeah, 
I mean, they probably they'll probably get converted to an ETF at some point. At that point, it'll get converted to par. Who knows when that'll be? You're paying management fees regardless. There's going to be, you know, it is obviously a shit coin. Um, not your keys, not your coins. But BlackRock probably gets approved first. I agree with Marty. I mean, you know, I the largest fund in the world launching a regulated ETF um, should result in in an increased price. Um, and I think it's all, all this shit is connected to all the Binance FUD, um, at the same time, in my opinion. I mean, I think they're trying to clean house at Binance before this happens. So they have more control over the market. Um, but I actually, I did a civil dispatch, uh, with Dylan LeClaire yesterday and we went like pretty deep on it. And obviously he's paying a lot more attention to all this stuff. Uh, than Marty or I. So definitely consider listening to that. But uh, I still expect BlackRock ETF to get approved. I expect them to be first. Yeah. <clears throat> to touch on the Binance stuff, I can pull up the tweet from Preston Pish. Um, zoom in a little bit. Preston's convinced that BlackRock won't greenlight the SEC, in parentheses. You read that correctly, to approve the Bitcoin ETF until Binance <laughs> is destroyed or so insanely crippled. That its market dominance is done. Gary is Larry Fink's lapdog. And then, Logan, if you click in on the tweet that is quote tweeting, uh, this AP abacus who has been a touch-and-go source. Some stuff has been more credible than others in the past. So take this with a grain of salt. Update. Sources state that sealed Binance motions this week are riddled with heavy, heavy claims. One source is saying, given the nature of the issues here, they're surprised that we, the SEC, are taking this on. This should be in the hands of the DOJ at this point. Um, and he was instructed to go back and look at the bit Zlato claims and indictments and then add scale, whatever that means. But, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> again, take this so, uh, hearsay report with a grain of salt. But I, there's I, agree. I agree with Preston's take uh, directionally. Um, but I actually kind of look at it a little bit differently. So I think that was the original plan. Um, and I think it was part of that plan was SBF was involved in it. So like, if you remember, if you go back to when FTX collapsed, the, the straw that broke the camel's back was that CZ heard through the grapevine that FTX was circling up with a bunch of suits people all over Washington and was, was trying to throw Binance under the bus, was trying to take down Binance, was trying to pass a bunch of new regulation, was probably trying to cement FTX's place in, the, in, in between as a, as a rent seeker um, and was trying to buy that whole system. CZ heard about it, had a bunch of FTT token because they were the seed investors of FTX and got bought out of their FTX equity with a portion of FTT token. And he tweeted out, he's like, we're going to dump all of our FTT token. Before he even dumped it out, all of a sudden panic starts on FTT, sell-off happens, gets worse and worse as he starts dumping and he just dumps into it and just fucking wipes him out. So this was the plan. In my opinion, this was the plan from the beginning. Like if you look at every, almost every metric that we look at exchanges, they can be faked. Um, Trading volume, if you have 0% fees, it's super, it's just the market naturally fakes it because volume comes because they don't, they can just trade back and forth in rapid succession and not pay fees. Um, obviously, exchanges can pump up their own volume. All these different metrics, uh, daily active users, monthly active users, it's hard to verify, easy to fake. 
exchange balances are the hardest to fake. Um, obviously, we talked last week about liabilities mismatch. You can't verify liabilities. But anyway, where am I going with this? If you look at the top exchange balances, it goes Binance. That's a shadow bank. Then it goes Coinbase Pro, fully regulated suit exchange that sells surveillance software to the U.S. government uh, and is surveillance agreement with all these ETFs and custody with all these ETFs. And then three, Bitfinex, shadow bank. And so the play is to clean those up. So you, not to stop market manipulation so that they're, on, they're the only ones that can do market manipulation. When I say they, always you can replace they with blue checks, remember. So you, you, they want complete control over, uh, over the marketplace like they have had the privilege to do for every other asset. Whether that's gold, whether that's equities, they have full control, circuit breakers, a whole nine yards, rehypothecation, do whatever the fuck you want to do. Now, regardless if they remove Binance from the equation, we, the difference with Bitcoin is that it's very easy to self-custody and then it's very easy to use in the circular economy. So I believe that regardless of them cutting out Binance or cutting out Bitfinex, it'll be hard for them to manipulate the market because humble stackers will take supply off the market, will dry up that liquidity, will use it in the circular economy, and eventually the price of, of real Bitcoin, black market Bitcoin, uh, will... will be significantly higher than regulated Bitcoin and there'll be a correction, a return to spot, and anyone who plays games with rehypothecation will get wrecked. Basically, a, a bigger version of what we saw with FTX, BlockFi, all the early suits um, of this last cycle. Um, so that that's the protection we have. But in their head, in the suit's head, what are they thinking? They're thinking, if we get rid of Binance, if we get rid of Bitfinex, we will have total control over this thing. Humble stackers be damned. There's no way they can. There's no way they can blow us up, and that has been the goal. Now, I think what happened was, CZ foiled their plan. Like he just fucking took out FTX and took out all the suits that were degenning with FTX. That were they were all like it was crazy. Like the leverage on top of leverage, right? Like three hours got wiped out. We saw big venture firms get fucked, right? Sequoia, like jump trading, one of the largest traders in the world they got they got fucking wrecked like people got fucking wrecked and they were all part of that like suit mafia so the plan doesn't change though they need to get rid of binance they need to get rid of bitfinex tether right um and and here we are today but i think what happened was i think blackrock got restless i think they were like okay like this is taking longer than we thought keep trying to take down Binance, but like if we're not successful, we're just going to fucking ape in anyway because we have no choice. Like they're just FOMOing in at this point. So I don't think like the BlackRock ETF is waiting on a Binance kill shot. I think it's, we're getting approved regardless. Like you better kill this thing before we get approved. And if not, we're going to, we're going to do it anyway. I like that take. It's very nuanced take that brings in historical context yeah and a great cz completely shit in the punch bowl when he dumped all that ftt <laughs> they, they thought they were they were on the gravy train fucking That's super it. bowl champion tom brady got fucking wrecked yeah. he got divorced because of it <laughs> it wasn't he had to go play another season which led to his divorce because he lost 38 million dollars in ftx yeah yeah, they want to kill Binance. And this is like, again, don't agree with the shitcoin casino and the marketing tactics, but you have to tip your cap to uh, the pirates of our industry who 
really stick a needle in the eye of of the the suit racist who uh, who want to control this. And that's again that goes back to I read a newsletter on Tuesday. I think we've said this on this show, maybe not, but it, it does bear repeating. If you're out there, if you're one of the suits who somehow fi- found the show and you're listening to this and you're um, afraid of self custody, so you're waiting for the BlackRock ETF to get approved before you get Bitcoin exposure. I would think twice about that, think long and hard, because as we're discovering in real time, I mean, right now, the show is live and we're leveraging Bitcoin to monetize the show as we're recording over zap.stream. Like, you're going to actually want to use Bitcoin. Like, Bitcoin held in an ETF is owned by that ETF issuer, number one. It's fucking Russell technology. They can just steal your money at will. Yeah. So, you're, you're, it's becoming abundantly clear to me that the utility on chain and then with second layer solutions like Lightning, eventually Fediment, who knows what happens with Arc, other things that are coming to market uh, are going to be so useful that you're actually going to want to use Bitcoin, actually possess it and send it and use it in your everyday life. And you get, if you get your main exposure to Bitcoin via an ETF, you're not going to have the luxury. It's not even a luxury. You're not going to have the ability to do that. It's, it's definitely not a luxury. It should be. It is the reason why Bitcoin exists. It's a peer-to-peer electronic cash system. You're supposed to use it in a peer-to-peer fashion. Um, but the decision you make today will have profound effects on how much Bitcoin you have 10 years from now. So if you're a suit, you're like, oh, I'm just going to wait for the ETF, get Bitcoin that way. Like You're going to be using it throughout the economy in 10 years. And if your only Bitcoin exposure is via an ETF, you're going to have to sell the shares in that ETF, eat the capital gains taxes, and then between doing that and acquiring Bitcoin they can actually possess, hope the price doesn't run away from you. Um, so you'll you'll likely end up with less sats at the end of the day. Um, so just be aware. Yeah, I mean, I don't understand the long-winded explanation, really. I just think it's rug pull technology and you'll get rugged. Uh, so become unruggable. You can you can do it. It's it's easier than you think it is. It really is. It's getting easier by the day. Um, so yeah, I, mean, can, yeah. I uh, yeah. I mean, you want to just unpack that real quick, Marty? Because like, I when I like try and follow that logic, it doesn't make sense to me because of. What makes sense to me is the rug pull part. Like, like I, I think the rugs will continue until self-custody improves. Like, it's just, we're just going to see larger and larger rug pulls until people fucking learn. And then, the, you know, they'll still be rug pulls, but they'll be less. Uh, but, like, the tax argument part doesn't make sense to me. Uh, Why not? That, okay, so, like... The year's 2030, and you have one Bitcoin in exposure. Uh, it's worth $10 million. Okay, you bought it at $26,000. So you have a $10 million cap gain hit, essentially, <laughs> like the full amount. Um, and, but, but what you want to do is you want to pay someone $10 in Bitcoin. So it's the same tax hit in that situation as if you held it. 
Well, this is the tax. Well, a good point. And so, yeah, I guess I'm running with the assumption that at some point over the next decade, Bitcoin will be deemed like the the capital gains tax around Bitcoin held in self-custody will change. But that does not change for an ETF structure, which is. Okay. So you're you're operating under the assumption that sovereign users of Bitcoin will get tax advantages in the U.S. tax code over people that hold cuck Bitcoin. That's the assumption? Yes, I think the the issue is going to be forced. The U.S. government's not going to have any other choice. They're literally hyperinflating the dollar as we speak. I think uh, it's the opposite, but I still think you should hold self-custody. I think I think sovereign users of Bitcoin, like they'll just I mean, that's the easiest way, right? Like everyone always says like sixty one oh two attack, blah blah blah. Um I'm not gonna blah 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 sixty one oh two attacks. Like people should be worried about sixty one oh two attacks. Sixty one oh two, yada yada yada, whatever. But but in practice so sixty one oh two was the executive order when Roosevelt uh tried to seize everyone's gold um in the thirties in America. Um and similar could happen with Bitcoin, but what's easier to do than that is just incredibly burdensome, restrictive taxes, higher taxes, more surveillance to, quote unquote, police the taxes, right? Uh, I mean, I have in the list uh, U.S. Department of Treasury, IRS released proposed regulations on sales and exchange of Bitcoin for brokers, and they like tried to make brokers out and the self-custody side too. And their definition of brokers is really broad and vague. Um, so like more taxes, more friction, more surveillance as part of that. Um, and there might actually be soft incentives like, oh, hold this ETF in your Roth IRA or whatever fucking mechanism to have way less taxes than if you, um, than if you self-custody. And then obviously, of course, you know, it, then it becomes a question of enforcement on like, actually, if you can enforce those taxes or not. But but that's besides the point, because most of the time the the play is like, if you don't comply, they want you to be criminalized. That's they want to throw you under and, you know, into the black market. Yeah, you make a good point there. But still, you're going to want to use the black market. And then the other thing is, is like supposedly what all the rich people do is they all borrow against their equities and shit so they don't have to pay cap gains. And probably, you know, there's going to be a shit ton of borrowing as with the ETF as collateral so that they don't have to pay cap gains on that too. What are the LTVs on equity loans as collateral? I, I think it's, I mean, it's significantly lower yeah. than Bitcoin right now. Higher than Bitcoin, you mean? Uh no, like Lower? Bitcoin more more over collateralized, right? Yeah, so the LTV, the loan to value, would be higher. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, because they like consider it more liquid and better collateral, even though Apple stock is way worse collateral than Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah. um, but that's just the market is going to take a while because. People that believe that Bitcoin is good collateral would rather buy Bitcoin than lend you dollars. Um, so we're seeing a disconnect there, but that should uh, correct itself over time. But yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, like the synopsis is relatively simple. And GBTC should be your lesson. FTX should be your lesson. BlockFi should be your fucking lesson. Mt. Gox should be your lesson. Celsius should be your lesson. 
you know, centralized third parties are fucking security holes and uh, you will be rugged. It's just a matter of time when you get rugged. And that's not just Bitcoin or quote unquote crypto. The bank runs will continue as well. You will be rugged. You heard it here first. Become unruggable. There's like all this talk of uh, finance insolvent, you know, who's insolvent, this, that. Like the banking system is literally fractional reserve banking. It's just insolvency by design. Yeah. BNB above 212. It's at 217 right now. So Binance is looking strong. Wow. Um, uh, freaks, Marty told me not to tell you guys, but after last week, he bought a huge bag of BNB. It was, it was, the buy signals were screaming. You had the suit racist saying it's going down, it's going down. And CZ has proven to be a suit racist destroyer. So I had to, had to load up. We're fucking around, freaks. Just stay humble, stack sets. Yeah. Yeah. These people hate, hate us. He means the blue checks. Yeah, the blue checks hate us. Marty, I noticed the TFTC account still has a blue check. Uh, what's the deal with that? It still has a blue check. It's business business information. I'm not. It's public anyway. Noted. Uh, so. Noted. Uh, so are you going to provide your biometric data for that as well? or? Uh, no, I believe the corporation does. So I'll, I'll just show like the, uh, the articles of, of formation. No, Marty thought we were going to forget that there's a blue check over there. We're we're watching, Marty. We notice. (laughs) You guys are noticing? We're noticing the blue checks? You're being noticed. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I still have it on the TFTC. Um, What else do we have? Do you want to dive further into the IRS story? Department of Justice IRS teaming up to cuck us? No, the surveillance will continue until morale improves. Freedom Tech fixes this. Until privacy improves. That's why you go back to like the Frost thing. Like, let's just make it so expensive to enforce that it's not even worth trying. And things like single SIG outputs that were really produced by multi-SIG go a long way in doing that. Um, privacy improvements at the lightning level. The frustrating um, thing is, the frustrating thing is, is that there are tax schemes that don't involve massive financial surveillance. Um, sales tax, property tax. Like I'm not advocating for these tax. I'm not advocating for taxes, period. Taxes are fucking theft. Held at gunpoint to pay it. There's there's no, you have no option. Um, But there are ways to implement tax structures where you don't have to have intense financial surveillance. It is not a coincidence that the way our tax structure is set up requires immense financial surveillance to enforce. Because the goal is that control. The goal is that surveillance. Um, And the goal is criminalizing any kind of financial privacy, which is insane and horrible for our country. And the world broadly, because whatever we have here usually gets exported to the rest of the world. The blue checks don't care about that. Oh. Um. Moving on to more bullish news. Nodal Power, Nodal Power raised $13 million in a seed round to mine Bitcoin at landfills. It's a Utah-based company that develops and operates renewable energy power plants. Announced, again, that it has raised $13 million in funding to aggressively mitigate methane emissions at landfills. This has been a big mining meme for years. Can you mine using the methane waste at landfills? And seems that 
nodal powers here to tell us that yes, in fact, you can. Um, in the press release, they said that much of the funding has already been deployed to build and operate two power plants in the U.S. Site one is located in the southeast and exports electricity generated by the landfill gas to the local utility. The site also equipped with a data center, which allows for economic dispatch between the utility and the data center. Read minor. Uh, and the site two is located in Mountain West, runs a first of its kind, fully sustainable off-grid data center powered by landfill gas. Um, and they're going to be deploying through the first half of next year. So this is really cool to see and confirms yet another thesis that Bitcoin advocates have had for some time, <coughs> which is that Bitcoin mining enables you to monetize and utilize stranded energy assets. Uh, landfill methane is a pretty large addressable market and shout out to the team at Nodal Power for going after this market. Um, it'll be a... Uh, good for the distribution of hash rate from what i understand the amount of methane at these landfills is not enough to create like a megabine so these models will be much more distributed uh which is great to see it seems like their first two operations will be distributed between uh, the western part of the u.s and the southeast part so they're starting off on a pretty distributed foot here at, at modal power nodal power were these guys on your radar Yes, I've heard of them before. I've never spoken with them, but I've um, I've seen people talking about them. I was just going to say that I think it's bullish because um, we're incredibly well connected in the Bitcoin world, and even more so in the proof of work world. And uh, this funding announcement was the first they came up on my radar, which is bullish as fuck. We have three new grants that were announced. Um, two from Spiral. Uh, one was uh, a new Spiral grantee, Michael Hayes. Uh, he's a prolific product designer taking on Bitcoin inheritance and collaborative custody. Two Bitcoin's most nerve-wracking problems for parents with devious teenagers, Spiral announced. Um, and then a grant renewal of Vasil Dimov, who is not on social media and has therefore earned my respect more than any follower of this account, will continue maintaining and improving the P2P network, networking layer of Bitcoin Core while also building out privacy features. And then uh, we had Volpum, Volpum Ventures award a development grant to Barack uh, of ARC. Barack is also the young man who took L and D down twice. Um, so great to see that that grant was for 25 K spiral. Hasn't announced the amounts for the other two grants that I read previously, by the way, that has been a hot topic issue. Um, that I'm curious of your opinion on Marty uh, is. So some critics of open sats, uh, by the way, I love feedback. I love, you know, adversarial culture. I love people being hard on us. It's great. Um, it's what makes this space pretty fucking cool. Um, we have we have faced some criticism that we don't publicly release how much money each grant recipient gets. And and the problem we've had, at least internally, um, is 
obviously our nine board members know you know we're approving what grants are getting paid out and how much what the amount is and we keep very good records of it um but we have a concern that if we if you know some random open source contributor and you know he's he's doing a project and and we pay him out 25k in bitcoin we pay him a bitcoin and he lives in zimbabwe or something and we we tell the whole world we just gave him a bitcoin um like he like he has opsec risk right like he has privacy risk and i don't love the idea of publicly saying exactly how much we're paying these guys and what the ad- bitcoin address is that we pay them to um so like the middle ground we're looking at right now is we're going to be releasing transparency reports where it like breaks it down by category so like Nostra clients receive this much Bitcoin or like uh, Bitcoin software wallets receive this much Bitcoin or like break it down into categories. And I'm curious on, on your opinion on that. Yeah. I mean, I like that. Yeah, I completely agree with you. It's not good to dox people and how much Bitcoin they have. Obviously, you're doxing grantees. By announcing that you're giving them a grant so people know they have some Bitcoin, but I think limiting the amount of public exposure in terms of where the Bitcoin is actually held and how much it is is definitely a net positive. And I think the disclosure mechanism that you just described, breaking it up into categories and doing that should suffice. And then maybe another solution on top of that is just have a third-party auditor come in annually and audit and be like, hey, I give a stamp of approval that the way these guys have been dispersing grants is oh, we do that anyway. Cause it's like five C three shit. Yeah. Just use that then. All the records and, um, yeah, we have, we have all the records and everything there, obviously. Um, and we have to do, you know, financial audits and that, that was the job post you read. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I imagine that auditor. Fiat ops. Imagine if you went to the auditor and were like, hey, we have this problem where people are questioning whether or not we're dispersing grants uh, the correct way and just have them sign a letter like, hey, we audited it and they're doing things the right way. Yeah, I just... um, Just don't hire Arthur Anderson. Look, I think... I think... I think it's a reasonable expectation that that if you donate to someone if you donate to an organization you're implicitly trusting their integrity and their judgment on how that is that is like literally the value prop we're offering to people like they can donate to devs directly if they want to but if they donate with us they're like okay this nine person board is going to allocate my donation and and at least I trust to a level that the majority of them are acting in good faith, right? And that's why we made a larger board in the first place. This goes back to, to me, goes back to the whole Canadian truckers thing where they did that ridiculous thing where they doxed every recipient by filming them and saying exactly how much Bitcoin they were giving them or whatever. Like when I donated to the Canadian truckers, I trusted the reputation of the people raising it. That was a trade-off I made. And you you know you do it you you go do it and 
as far as I'm concerned, like I don't want OpenSats to be the only, and we're not the only organization funding open source development. We launched because we're like, there should be more doing it and the more the better. Um, so I hope there's a lot of different organizations donating to open source, continues to be and, and grows donating to open source development. But I just don't, I don't think that trade-off is worth it actually doxing the exact amount we give to people. But I, I will say that the transparency reports will give more detail. Um, we just wanted to make sure we got some money deployed out first. When people have conflicts of interest, we force them to recuse themselves so they're not voting yes on things that give them money, um, which we would also lose our 501c3 in that situation. I'm not asking you to trust the state. That's fucking ridiculous, but we would. Um, yeah, and that we had, we we originally we, the reason we did nine people for the board was for this exact reason to try and reduce individual bias and corruption. Uh, but like nothing's perfect. I, I honestly would prefer if everyone just donated directly to devs. It just doesn't really happen. Um, but anyway, that I've been that's been on my mind uh, recently. I wouldn't sweat it too much. I think you guys are doing great things, and there's always going to be haters out there. I guess at one point, yeah, I mean, if there's anything that guarantees that is like, uh, you like literally you get criticism even when you're giving out free money to people. It's like, they'll always be haters. But uh, I guess it's not free. There's real proof of work there. Um, What was the other point I was going to make? The the transparency reports will make this clear, but there is a big variance in, in grant amounts. Like there could be, when we list like, oh, we announced eight new grants, like there's a large variance among those eight new grants. It, just because they're all in the same list doesn't mean they got the same amount of money. And it's, it just all comes down to the individual situation and, and what the project needs and what the project asks for and budgets for and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah, again, wouldn't really worry about the haters. You guys are doing good work. Thank you for the work that you're doing. Um, shout out to all the grantees who got grants recently from Spiral, OpenSats, others, Volpum. Um, but moving down the list, we are are we at software updates yet? RoboSats um, is centralizing, I guess you can say it. Uh, yeah, it's the beginning of software updates is the RoboSats. Yeah, so we'll reboot. We have to do two weeks. Forgot to read. Yeah, apologies, freaks. It got spicy last Boots week. We're our... Uh, during our party rip. So going back to rabbit hole recap, 266. Good morning. Stay humble and stack sats. Top four boost. Number one from Come Rocket. Oh, that was the name of our episode. Yes. Come Rocket. 69,420 sats. Shout out to myself. <laughs> just finished mandibles. Stay aware. Stay humble. Stack sats. Can I just say for a second, uh, thank you, sir, for your support of the show. But... I am aware we're talking about noticing of noticers or of notice noticers. I'm I've noticed that like the last six episodes of Rabbit Hole Recap and like the same amount of dispatches, appreciate your support across both shows. Like we've had to say the word come rocket. And I know it's intentional, and I know you get a little kick out of it every time you support us. And I just want to say I noticed that. But thank you for your support. The AI is really going to have my cum rocket down, down pat by the time the cell. I did, like, 
I did a uh, a podcast about like family and life and priorities and like his forty day fast with Russell Okun, and then it's like, and uh, we're we're proudly supported by the freaks who who donate Bitcoin to the show. It's like we have Come Rocket here with sixty nine thousand sets. <laughs> like I gotta say it is part of the it's part of the code, but it really it it it's an interest. It like pulls you out of a conversation. Thank you, Come Rocket. Appreciate the sats. We, we at, appreciate Scottish, at Scottish Freedom BTC, 60,000, six sats, palindrome boost. Thanks, boys. Great rip. No more blue check tension. Marty, when I listen in my van at work and you are recording at home, I can always hear bird chirps, which I think is something foobard with my van messes with my head. Anyway, palindrome boost for all that you chaps do to educate the freaks. Love from Scotland. Stay humble. Stack sats. Scottish flag. Shout out to our freaks in Scotland. What most people don't know is Marty actually adds the bird noises after chirp, after chirp. we record. Chirp, chirp. Um, yeah, they're all Marty. Chirp, chirp. At Spain, y'all, 55,555 sats, fives across the board, palindrome boost. Education. Thanks for your weekly episodes of RHR. Truly a highlight of the week. Well, thank you, Spain, y'all. Your highlight of the show. At letter 6173, 50,001 sats, boost for a based as fuck modern version of pirate radio. I love that compliment. Thank you for that. Appreciate that. That's what we're aiming for. Very high compliment. All right. On to the top four from last week's party rip. Uh, oh, wait. No. That's 267. Bankfront on Binance? <laughs> <laughs> Such a good title. At Eric99, stay humble, stack sats. Shout out to Nick from Minneapolis, and that was a 100,000 sat boost. Six-figure boost. Thank you, Eric. True ride or die, Eric99. Um, this one came from our, our friend um, from Australia, Pringle Stacks. It's uh, showing up as a fountain web boost. 88,888 sats. Eights across the board. Palindrome boost. I just sent 111,111 sat boost, thinking it was for RIP 267. Fucked if I know where it went. Said it went <laughs> the invoice. Said it went to you guys. Here's another one just in case for the love of Bitcoin. This needs to get easier for old fun. It was a 200,000 sat boost, right? Yes. Lots of love. Pringle stacks. 200,000 sats. And then uh, Oscar, Mary, Oscar Mary, at Mary Oscar. Uh, on foul, and he responded with an 88,887 sat boost at Pringle Stacks. The 111,111 sat boost went to the show rather than the specific episode. You can see it on the show activity page. Um, okay, so we still got it. We got it, yeah. And then we, you also juiced another 88,000 out of Oscar by your mistake. So yeah. we're really giving you credit for almost 300,000 sats. Thank you. Thank you. Thank she you deserves for credit for all of the sats. Sill, thank you, Sill. Um, at Z Man 60, 77,777 sats, sevens across the board, palindrome boost. I will give more, but I'm only 78% sure that you guys really exist. Fair. Could have been 100,000 sats. Marty's a psyop. I'm real, though. Okay. Uh, and then at Come Rocket, 69,420 sats. Music Shield, Flowbots. Fight with tools. The whole album. Song 11 is literally, we are winning. Stay humble, stack sats. 
As you went through them and you're going one person at the other, I was like, did I just grandstand about him doing this every episode and then he didn't do it for this one? And boom, we got him. You got him. And he actually responded to that. He responded to that boost with um, apparently your node was throwing an error. So check your node. I just back up. It's, you know, also tiresome. Yes, it is. So those I've, are lost the many, I've lost out on many sats running my own nodes uh, instead of doing custodial. But uh, principles are important. Gamify it so that the highest booster gets their sats back. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Top zappers that, on map.stream, Anon. That sounds like, like a lottery scheme or some shit. Yeah. Yeah, what's it called? The 50 50? Yeah, I mean, a 50-50 is not the top, though. Yeah. No, it's like a penny auction. You know a penny auction? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think my node's online. When was that? That was... August 30th. Yesterday. It was yesterday. And shout out to our sponsors. You see them flashing in the top left corner, Unchained and CoinKite. Great collaborative custody and financial services company and a, and a great hardware company. If you guys are looking for hardware wallets and collaborative custody. All right, back to the list. We got software updates. Like I mentioned Mav, before. We- Mav21 in the comments says he's coming to Nashville. Any good places to eat? Shotgun Willies. It's all shit food there. Best barbecue. The best Texas barbecue is in Nashville. It's at Shotgun Willie's. You heard it here first. It's not true. Um, Robosats is decentralizing. What? Have I taken you to Shotgun Willie's yet? No, not yet. So he's just speaking out of his ass, freaks. Marty's the psyop. I am the psyop. Hashtag uh, Marty psyop. <laughs> this isn't a psyop. Robosats is decentralizing. Uh, and they have a guide for how to become a RoboSats Federation coordinator. RoboSats is a free and open source project. Anyone can spin up a new RoboSats backend instance. This is, in fact, ideal given that the more backend instances there are, the more decentralized RoboSats becomes and the harder it is to stop. Um, this is a really cool. RoboSats is running on a federated client app structure and they've open sourced it so that anybody can become a coordinator and enable peer to peer trades of fiat for bitcoin yeah my nodes online and i have 2.69 bitcoin and inbound liquidity so that's a humble brag right there did you hear that phrase jesus yeah i i actually brought shame to my family i have 269 million sats in inbound liquidity is what i meant to say um i uh yeah this is great robosats is an awesome project it's fucking one of the cool parts of RoboSats in my mind was, you know, BISC and RoboSats attempt to solve the same goal, which is uh, peer-to-peer Bitcoin trading, making that as easy as possible for one person to sell Bitcoin to another person without a centralized intermediary. And um, Sorry, I just got completely distracted because Clark said in the comments, massive inbound um, with without an intermediary. And the cool part to me about RoboSats was that they kept it incredibly simple. They were like, 
Uh, Bisque tried to be as robust as possible and, and have like a very, uh, very large threat model where, where they were expecting attack. And uh, uh, RoboSats was like, we can just be NIMS. And if we're a NIM and we're running a centralized service on Tor and we're not doing that much volume, um, like it, it should be fine. And it has been. It's been extremely useful in the developing world. A lot of people are using it. Um, it works really well. It has Lightning integrated. Um, and now they're kind of doing, now they're moving into more censorship resistance. So they like, they like got the base down. They got it, you know, they got it to a point where it's very easy to use, but now they need it to be more censorship resistant. And now they're creating this model where anyone can run a RoboSat server. And then if you're running the RoboSats, client uh the end user client you can you can access all the different servers um so that's pretty cool to see and and love to see the project innovating and we'll see how it works out we'll we'll, we'll keep you updated freaks that we will moving down the list Zapprite had a big uh big launch with new well, upgrades that includes payment absolutely. links new receive integration subscription plans and more I think the payment links is the big thing here, but um, for any of you who are unaware what ZapRite is, it is essentially an invoicing software that allows you to bring your own wallets. So you plug in your XPUB, your LND node, your Strike account onto their back end. They never custody your funds. It's a simple, essentially a front end solution that allows you to receive Bitcoin as easily as possible. Shout out to the team over there, John. Absolutely. Crushing it. We use it a lot. We use it for the podcast. We use it for Bitcoin Park. It's just really great. Yeah. You can check it out if you haven't. Uh, next on the list, Nix Bitcoin version 0.0.97 has been released. Nix Bitcoin is a collection of Nix packages and Nix OS modules for easily installing full-featured Bitcoin nodes with an emphasis on security. So if you're running Nix, there's nothing too crazy here. They upgraded BTC Pay server. Um, that's about it. I had um, Nifty, uh, this legend that I didn't know about named DPC, and Cody on to talk about Nix on Civil Dispatch this week. Um, uh, Lisa's going to be, Nifty's going to be, I just go back and forth on which name I call her. I, had, I need to figure out which one I want to settle on. But uh, Nifty's going to be running... Uh, Bitcoin plus plus in Berlin in October focused on Nix. Um, so to find out more about that, you can either listen to the SIL dispatch episode or you can go to BTC plus plus spelled out P L U S P L U S dot dev. Check it out. Support Lisa. She's doing great things. Next on the list, BTC pay server has upgraded to version 1.11.3. This upgrade comes with uh, some minor brush-ups and fixes. This is, uh, I believe, they say in the blog post, is their last update before their next major release. So uh, unless there's any bugs between now and when they're ready to release the major release, um, this should be the one. So the next BTC Pay server update should be a good one. At Nyuta Wallet, Android version 0.2.0 has been released. It now comes with LNURL pay QR code support, which is pretty big. River announced earlier today that they're, they've got LNURL pay QR code support coming to their 
uh, platform as well. So Ellen URL influence is growing. Uh, Mutiny Wallet version 0.4.14 has been released. Web and Android uh, feature parity. So that's pretty cool to see. Uh, Mutiny is open source, non-custodial Bitcoin, Lightning Web, and Android wallet. Um, so yeah, I've been using Mutiny a lot the last couple of weeks. Um, yeah, disclosure, 1031 is investor Mutiny wallet and, and not RoboSats and ZapRite. Disclosure. Um, next on the list, Floresta version 0.5.0 has been released. Floresta is a lightweight, fully validating Bitcoin node powered by UtreXO with an integrated lightweight Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Just, I'm tired. I apologize. No need. Don't get tired. Um, I, brought, I brought shame to me. Um, I just, I just wanted to. <laughs> this is why I feel bad interrupting you. I just wanted to grandstand that Android users are first-class citizens in the mutiny ecosystem. And ha, to you, iPhone people. Noted. Noted. Good. Okay, continue. Sorry. <laughs> Join market version 0.9.10 has been released. They have RBF fee bumping, uh, more improvements, and bug fixes. So for those who are unaware, Join Market is a coin join service. I believe the uh, oldest one in existence. It's a coin join tool. Coin join tool, excuse me. Service implies centralization and uh, Join Market is, just, is not centralized. So. Yes. Now we're on to the Noster update part of the software updates. Uh, Spring version 0.1.0 has been released as a Noster browser. Um, that lets its users to browse and interact with Nostra protocol and micro app ecosystems. So go check that out. We'll have all these links in the show notes. Um, if they fit in there, Logan, do you think they'll fit? Does it fit Logan? Might not this week. All right. We'll have to figure that out. Amber version 0.0.6 has been released. Yeah. Just clip out that little part and send it to me. (laughs) Thank you. hundred (laughs) thousand. Marty, it's too big. <laughs> oh, God damn it. Uh, Amber version zero. Or we just read that one. Oh, no, we didn't. Amber version 0.0.6 has been released. It's got new UI and fixes. Uh, highlighter extension version 0.2.1 has been released. You can create Nostra highlights anywhere on the web now. It's pretty cool. NDK version 0.8.21 has been released. Uh, the protocol is the App Store with NDK. Uh, snort.social has been redesigned. So if you're using that as your client, go check that out. Nostree version 0.1.2 has been released. It's got Linktree style Nostra client, which is pretty cool. And then Vendata.io, a Nostra client to interact with data vending machines, has been released. Our boy Pablo has been working on this. Really cool just, tool. Yeah, like, There's like four Pablo updates. <laughs> I knew highlighter extension was, I guess, NDK too. Are you looking at the Noster comments? He gave us a hands every time we gave him an update. Uh, Nucleus. Legend. He's all over the place. Okay, sorry. Continue. Nucleus. Um, He's, yeah, only three. I correct. Correct myself. Capital efficient multi-peer lightning payments. It was highlighter, NDK, and Vendata for yeah. all. We're all Pablo projects. Uh, before we get to Nucleus, um, I also put one on the bottom. 
Uh, Primal came out with a big update today, uh, the Nostra client. They have this, they released this system. There's the whole idea of the, the cool part about Nostra is the idea of giving the user control, right? Giving the user control of as, as much of their, of their life and their data as possible. And that includes the feeds um, that you see. Um, the most common way to show a feed in Nostra is just straight chronological. Uh, Primal has brought their own trending algorithm um, into Nostr. And Nostr is not the idea of no algorithms, or I mean, Nostr can be whatever you want it to be. That's a cool part about Nostr. But in my mind, Nostr is not the idea of no algorithms. It's the idea of open, transparent, and competing algorithms, um, or your option to use no algorithms whatsoever. Um, so, so Primal has given people more control in this recent update uh, you have the ability uh, to opt in and out of filter lists. These are things that I've I've advocated for on Twitter for years. Uh, we never saw that happen. And here we see Bitcoiners building out the future they wish to see uh, in real time. You can, you can opt in and out of filter lists. Uh, you can subscribe to other people's mute lists. So if, if Marty has, has, uh, likes to block out content uh, and, and, and you trust his judgment, you can just subscribe to Marty's mute list. Um, you can subscribe to people's spam lists. You can choose if you want to see not safe for work content or if you do want to see it. Um, and you can also do the opposite. You can whitelist and you can, you can say, I never want this pub key, this account muted. Um, so you have complete control over how that is viewed on the client side which is really fucking awesome to see. And then I would remind people once again that Primal has completely open sourced their entire stack, uh, non-restrictive false license. Um, so, you know, not only can you choose to use a competing client or a, an alternative client, I wouldn't even say competitor. I think that everything grows the same pie and, and we want to see as many clients as possible. But also developers can fork and maintain uh, their own version of Primal, if if they if they so choose, so that's pretty fucking cool to see. Yes, it is. Shout out to Million and team over there at Primal. Like you uh, said, no, that's a ten thirty one portfolio company. Ten thirty one VC for a full list. Yes, um, Nucleus Capital Efficient Multi Peer Lightning Payments has been released in a draft. It's a draft proposal for Lightning Multi Peer Payment Channels, which provides better capital efficiency. There's no inbound liquidity required, uh, and liveliness apparently is not as important with this. So it also doesn't rely on a penalty mechanism and doesn't require the use of atomic swaps and routed payment for scaling. Does this leverage Noster? No. No. I was we're, say. we're done with software updates, and I just put this. Uh, I. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. This seems compelling. I have no idea if this is bullshit or not. Um, but if it's not bullshit, then it looks really interesting. And I'm hoping someone smarter than me is listening to this right now. And, like, can you read the paper and figure out if it's, if it's legit or not? But it seems cool. Yeah, look, what Pablo said, sounds cool. What's the URL? Uh, it's it's uh it's on no bullshit bitcoin let me see 
See, Z-Man responded to this. Good morning, Mr. Nuclear. <laughs> Major difference here is that for POW, it is impossible to create a Sybil attack where you only need to spin up multiple nodes on AWS containers, each with its own identity. For POW, thus, the honest majority assumption can only be relied on if you have some Sybil resistance. So you're saying the proposal is not Sybil resistant? I don't know. I just put that up there for exposure. We don't have to discuss it, Marty. I just if you're listening and you care, check the show notes. It's yeah, it seems like it's seems like it's not civil resistance. That's what Z Man's saying. They released a paper. Go check it out. It's on the Lightning Dead Metal. Um it dropped two days ago or three days ago on Monday. Um let's go check that out. That's all we got. Last thing on the list was that frost thing that we already talked about in the beginning of the rip. Baller. It's getting cold out here. It's in the 60s already. We did it for so. weeks. It's beautiful. Great weather. Oh. I um No, I have nothing. I mean last week was a great rip. I really enjoyed that rip. I did too. It's a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Um macro news. Jobs report this week was absolute dog shit. Um, <laughs> Seven hundred fifty thousand less job openings than was expected. Biggest, I, I think. Imagine, I just imagine like that as a New York Times headline. <laughs> Jobs report, absolute dog shit. <laughs> uh, no, but the interesting thing about that, like all the jobs data that came in, is something you typically see, uh, like while you're in the middle of a recession, the jobs. Numbers are usually a lagging indicator. Um, people try to hold on to their employees for as long as possible so they don't have to go through the capital expense of finding them, training them, and then paying recruiters that help them find them. So, also, it just sucks firing people. That as well. It's like moving and firing people. Yeah. Yeah. It does suck. Um so yeah, interesting. Like, despite the fact that um, Bidenomics is being positioned as something that's working very well, uh, the jobs report that came out this week would signal that we're in the middle of a recession. Obviously, technically, we're not due to GDP growth. We're in a recession. Everything's a scam. Yeah, you know, all the government stats are lies. So um, we're in a recession. It's all a psyop, and the blue checks hate you. Yeah. Should we end it there? Including the TFTC account. Um, what is, uh, I, I'm going to regret asking because I, it's not on my radar, but I, this is how I find out about things. This is not, the way I find out about the latest PSYOP is, rabbit hole recap. Um, Marty, are you familiar with the Gabon coup? Is that the recent one in Africa? I don't know. Robert Roberts asking in the comments thoughts on Gabon coup, and I just had no idea what he was talking about. I think there was... Yeah. Which coup is that, Robert? Which yeah, coup? It's in Africa. Uh, yeah, I have seen it. There was a coup. From what I understand, their president tried to like brute force an extra term, and he got cooed by the military. That's all. I, if I understand correctly, Robert, Robert, confirm or deny. Pablo wants everyone to know he supports the current coup. That's what the mainstream saying is that the president. Tried to 
like extend his term or something like that or take on another term and uh and the military came in and cooed him yeah it was not on my radar at all yeah seventh coup in africa in three years lower than i thought yeah i thought it'd be higher um thoughts on the gerontocracy peak uh I don't know. The chart seems pretty parabolic right now. Are you Looks even like considering Mitch, this? Mitch McConnell almost died. Uh, say it, Marty. In front of the cameras. I'm not going to say it. Mikey, uh, don't say it. Cut the stream, Logan. And there's nobody. Uh, I don't think there's anybody our age who wants to like do that shit. So I think some that natural force. Dude, you you have to be a complete sociopath to be yeah. a politician. Yeah. We don't send our best. No. It's the incentives. the incentives. It comes down to the incentives. Like I don't. It's so. Uh, it's also. It's also broken. Freedom Tech yeah. Texas. Yeah, Robert Roberts saying in the uh, the comments that the uh, the African coups are all against French colonialism, which is good. Well, that's good. Yeah. I mean, I know Pablo was joking. Like I support the current coup. Uh, in general, I actually do. I think. <laughs> I don't know. I think I probably default to yes on most cues. Yeah. But um, I guess just like neutral-ish. I don't know. Maybe I don't. Yeah, I, A lot of for military cues. If I'm being honest with everybody. If I'm being honest with everybody, I didn't even know Gabon was a country until you asked the question. And then I had a reminder. Wait, like, oh, Is it really? Yeah. I didn't know that. I'll, I'll own that. Yeah. I had no idea. I thought that was the name of the guy who got cooed. Yeah. I think I was smart to uh, correlate Gabon and coup with the headlines I saw earlier this week. It's quite a big country. Yeah. Like by land area. Fuck, I had no idea. Well, you learn something new every day. Yeah, Gabon is on the uh, western coast of Africa. Uh, it's got Equatorial Guinea, Cameroon, Republic of Congo bordering it. Um, to the north, the north, and the the east, respectively. What's the population? That's a good question. Quick facts. I guess I don't automatically support cues. I don't know. I guess I got to sleep on that one. 2.341 million people. So relatively small. Looks beautiful in the pictures. What, 2 million people? 2.3, yeah. Yeah, so it's pretty small. It's fucking tiny. Coup going on. Beautiful coast. I'm looking at the pictures now. Pongara National Park. Looks like a place to visit. <laughs> um, I've got to run here. Okay. Well, this has been great. Um, I apologize to the freaks that live in Gabon. Um for not knowing your country existed. I feel like a dickhead. Um, but I'm glad, I'm glad I know now and uh, shout out us for trying our best and stay. On hey, the you know, we're going to be honest with you. We'll be upfront. I'm not going to, I'm not going to LARP and say I'm a Gabon expert. I could easily, when you said when you apologized for not knowing it was a country, I could have easily just not said anything. But it was important for me to own that I thought it was the name of the guy who got cute. No, yeah, it was the country. 
Yeah. <laughs> All right. We'll be back next week with some coup talk about in countries we, we were unaware of before next week. Love, love and appreciate you all. All right. Peace and love, freaks.